A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Hey guys, this is episode 5 of the Black Beer Podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm in the studio with Mary, Richard, some guy. Who's, who's doing much. I'm not going to lie, this is why I'm cold when Danny's not here. Basically, yeah, the questions have us pumped. Yeah, she did. I hear that. I hear that. Um, so this episode is going to be the question and answer uh, podcast. Thank you to everyone who actually like came to contribute. Um, anyone who you know sent a question to us individually or to the Twitter page, the Facebook page, we appreciate you. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's oh, sorry, go. Before we even jump into the questions, let's just say we're not going to get to everybody's questions today. Yeah, we're that, that has to be said. said. Um, some of the questions we're going to get to in a later episode. Um, For example, on hoteps and. Black nationalism, ETC, we're going to deal with that in an episode by itself because we feel like it deserves full-blown attention and more nuanced and further discussion than we could provide in this episode. But watch this space. We actually have something uh, prepared on that. Something quite big. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. prepared for that one. Okay, first question. What books on a Christian worldview would you recommend? Well, Israel, seeing as you have the Library of the World, let's go with you. (laughs) I'm not C.S. Lewis just Not in the conversations, but... uh, (laughs) The first book I would recommend, I think, if I could recommend just one, I mean, I'm going to mention three, but one that has to be um, looked at is Creation Regained by Albert Walters. I think it's the most fun, foundational book on Christian worldview that exists. He's a Canadian philosopher. The book is about 100 pages, so it's short. Obviously, he's a philosopher, so sometimes he tends towards technical language, but I think it's very accessible and introductory. And once you read that, I think you will have a sound Christian worldview. Introductory for everyone, introductory for you. Intr- it's, it's generally a very interesting... So basically, he goes through a Christian worldview and outlines it, and then he gives three case studies, yeah. which I think helps to... Elucidate. Yeah, what it looks like when it's practiced. Oh, um, that's good. Okay. Um, which is why I recommend it. And it's not long, so I think it's a sort of book that you can finish, you know, quite easily. Um, yeah. The other two books are fairly longer. Um, Total Truth by Nancy Piercy, which is about 600 pages. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hers is a lot more thorough. Like, it's while she's given a Christian worldview, she's breaking down um, intellectual thought throughout history um, from Neoplatonism and Plato in you know um, the first century era all the way down to the modern world and science, the different revolutions that occurred in the 19th and 20th century. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's very thorough, and all of the breaking down of different. Um, intellectual thoughts is occurring through a Christian worldview. Okay. Um, so although it's a lot longer and intense, it's the kind of book it's that once you, work, once you work through it, you really have an in-depth understanding of how Christian worldviews, how a Christian worldview operates in intellectual thinking. Yeah. And her second book, um, Finding Truth, is a book that tries to teach you how to critique other worldviews. So mm. with a Christian worldview, it teaches you how to critique you know, Marxism and socialism. Um, it teaches you how to critique evolutionism or scientism and how it uses Darwinian evolution 
um, and naturalism to explain the world outside of a supernatural cause. Um, so I think her, her book, Finding Truth, will help you to understand how you can use the Christian worldview. Funny enough, I think uh, C.S. Lewis, The Pilgrim's Regress, yeah. is quite, uh, it's quite interesting to that as well. Obviously, he does it yeah, in yeah, yeah. a more allegorical sense, but he definitely covers um, various different worldviews, but just in, a, in, in the form of story. So that mm. might also be quite interesting for people to read. Obviously, it's based off the Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. But um, rather... C.S. Lewis really is think. known for using stories to sort of convey truths. So I yeah. think he's good in that, in that sense. Cool. Yeah. Appreciate that. So in summary, we have... Creation Regained by Albert Walters. Yep. Yeah. And two books by Nancy Percy, Total Truth and Secondly, Finding Truth. Yeah. yeah. And The Pilgrim's Regress is another one by C.S. Lewis, which is quite interesting. All right, so question one is done. Good. Next question. In a previous episode, Mary mentioned that she attended a mono-ethnic church <laughs> Mary. and thinks that more should be done to encourage intentional fellowship with other churches. Yeah. How realistic is this? Does this apply across denominations? Mary, do you want to go first? <laughs> yes. I feel like this question has you in mind. I think it is realistic. I think, um, of course, mm. if, if you know churches that are sound, that faithfully preach the word, then you should do more to engage um, with each other. Because I think, it, of course, you have your local church, but it does have a sense of, build a sense of community to know that there's another church in another part of wherever you live that love the same truth and the same gospel that you love. Um, mm. So just doing all you can, uh, even little things such as, I don't know, organising sporting activities or, you know, meeting up for... I don't know, book club, anything like that, because I think it does help you move out of your silo um, that it, sometimes we can stay we're in. We're going to take that question a bit further. Yeah. Um, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. But I think the question is specifically asking, as a mono-ethnic church... So as a black church... Should we... Okay, if you're black, <laughs> but then you white church. Yeah, should you should. we explicitly go out of our way, not to just integrate with any church, but to integrate with a diverse... Church. church yeah, yeah i think you should i think if they're an orthodox church mm. they believe foundational truth of the scripture so so, so, so there's two churches we can reach out to yeah one is we're mono-ethnic black church yeah there's another mono-ethnic black church yeah do and there's and then there's a there's a church that's multi multicultural yeah should we go out of our way to choose the multicultural church is why i think what the question's really trying to get at. i don't think it, it would depend why you're doing that so i think when i said this it was more for if you went to like a white church yeah. Being able to engage, I think we're speaking about race, racial reconciliation. If being able to engage other um, churches, other black churches or multicultural churches, just mm. to show kind yeah. of maybe supporting them or doing all you can just to bring um, the unity of faith together. Um, yeah. So I think you can do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And does it apply across denominations? I can jump on that one. Yep. Go ahead. Go for so it. So I think um, often when we think of uh, the Presbyterian denomination. One of the things we think is why do they baptize babies? And that obviously has <laughs> why, bro? That because I... they follow. Anyway, so they, they obviously have an understanding of the scripture that leads to, uh, to that conclusion. Um, but one of the other things that is, I think, particular to the Presbyterian denomination is the way they look at church government. So yeah. how the church is structured, how the church is led, yeah. and um, following on from how they understand Acts 15, they have uh, a presbytery where uh, different leaders from different churches come together to, as it were, uh, provide an extra board, for lack of better terminology, a board over a number of different churches over which those individual elders preside. Yeah, yeah. What that has the effect of doing is inherently encouraging uh, discussion, yeah. um, fellowship, 
between the leaders and hopefully you would assume that that in some way actually goes down to the membership exactly um so i think the presbyterian denomination in regards to yeah just intentional fellowship have that advantage because of the way they structure but having said that i know i know a number of like baptist churches that have similar things like sister churches yeah and it's not in that sense it's not necessarily um something that they believe is biblically mandated in the same way that Presbyterians do. Yeah. But just in the interest of understanding that we have the same goal as Christians when we're trying to bring the gospel to the nations, there is there can be some benefit in others talking together. And what about on an interdenominational front? Okay. Um, so what about Baptist and the Pentecostals? Baptists and Pentecostals, Methodists and right. Presbyterians. Right. How do we? Um, I, I think the, the I think the key thing. It's is, not a single answer. But yeah, yeah, I think the key principle that comes to mind straight away is um, you cannot compromise truth. Yeah. So in terms of interdenominational um, work to, work done together, it can be done as long as truth isn't compromised in the process. Now, with a number of different denominations, there will be overlap. Yeah. So you will believe some of the fundamental tenets the same. So yeah. Presbyterians and Baptists, so much in common. Yeah. So much mm-hmm. in common that actually, like, if, if you just were able to divorce Baptism yeah. and church yeah, government, yeah, yeah. they'd be almost identical, almost. Yeah. Now, with some other groups, some other denominations, the... the the differences are more. Yeah, yeah, it's more yeah. Vast and that, that creates a difficulty. It's not a difficulty that cannot, um, that creates some difficulties, but it's not a, the types of difficulties that can never be overcome. Yeah. It just means more depending thinking. Depending on the denomination. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely depending but, on the denomination. But, so I'm, I'm, I'm talking about heretical, like heretical so I, cults. I, yeah. no, no, so so when, 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 when I when I said denomination, yeah, 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 I I didn't even like. We're not even yeah, including the cult. No, I don't. No, I'm I don't, thinking of. Yeah. I get. I reckon. I reckon we should say that. But yeah. Just to be explicit. I only had so, orthodox so, denominations. So when it comes down mind. to it, it gets harder and harder the more differences there are. Yes. yes. However, the red line are those fundamental issues at which point there is just going to be no there's no way we can do this yeah yes. if we if we disagree on the fact that god is triune if yeah. we disagree on the fact that um christ, christ died god. once for all you know if we disagree on the on the resurrection etc etc that christ is god then all of a sudden everything falls through yes and we can't but e- even on secondary issues if, that these were secondary issues that i just mentioned but they're not even, no 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 even, even those are primary issues yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. i'm saying even on secondary issues at times you cannot work together yeah. if what you're yeah. trying to do requires you to have the same yeah, view exactly, yeah. secondary yeah. issues yeah. and, yeah. and on primary issues that i just want to say um that doesn't mean we can't work together but it just means we're not working together on the level of all oh, these are two churches yeah yeah, yeah. so so we can still work with um Heretical groups on something like social justice or a particular community issue in this area, but we wouldn't say, "Oh, the church is." Yeah, we are yeah. To, we're joining, but we're saying that we're joining this other group to work on this community issue in our local area. Just, and I just understand that nuance. And that's just a social reform. Yeah, yeah. Necessarily, yeah. 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 I hear you. I hear you. Okay, cool. Third question: What is your opinion of men? Ah, uh, nah, bro, nah, bro. We gotta go back. What? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> on that, on that last question. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I think it's just important that we mention that okay. one of the ways in which churches um, are able to come together is through the work of missions. Yeah. So mm, Mary mentions yeah. a mono-ethnic church, but when we're supporting missions, I know the mono-ethnic church that Mary goes to supports missions in India. Yes. Now in India, like I ain't been there, but I know they're not all black. <laughs> so if I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Okay. Yeah, um. But on that front, that's another way in which churches can show 
that even though in God's providence they happen to be of one particular race, yeah. they understand that God's design is to save men and women from different races. And that's, yeah. how they, exactly. that's one, way, exactly. one way in which you can go about exactly. it, by working yeah. in missions in different areas that don't necessarily represent the same races of course. that are represented in your church. Of course. That's good. What is your opinion, third question, what is your opinion of men wearing any kinds of hats? I mean, keeping them on throughout the service. So I know the context of which this, yeah, out of which this came. Um, I believe this came in a church whereby hats are generally not worn by men and hats are worn by women. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that's because of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It might be. It might be. It might have had historical <laughs> um, basis in 1 Corinthians 11, not necessarily um, a current um outworking of what's being preached from the pulpit per se okay but yeah when it comes to that text in particular there's 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 so much i want to say and just not enough time in this podcast (laughs) um but what i would say is that in that text paul is not necessarily giving hat theology um he's not trying to give a theology of hats he's not necessarily trying to say um you know that 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 hats has some sort of spiritual benefit etc but he's dealing with a particular set of traditions that were delivered to the church at that particular time yeah um we know this through several reasons i'll just run through them quickly um one being that at the start of the text he actually speaks about it as saying this is the traditions that i delivered to you um that's not something that he necessarily says in many or any other place as far as i'm aware yeah um Later on, he also goes on to speak about the fact that if men have their hair shaved, um, if men grow their hair, then it's a disgrace. Yeah. But Paul, is, who is a master of the Old Testament, is not going against God when he tells Samson, for example, um, to grow his hair out. You know, so so Paul's dealing with a particular issue for a particular people at a particular time in a particular context. Um, and I think if you actually go through the text and you start to understand it in that light. And you'll start to understand the references to the Imago Dei and all those kind of things. You start to see the whole idea there is actually um, dealing with authority and dealing with rebellion, yeah. dealing with um, just the role of men and women, not necessarily dealing with a hat theology, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think I just want to I just want to clear that up. It's not it's not it's not hat theology. <laughs> on 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 that note, like you wear your snap and I wear my you know my, I wear my woolly. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not dealing with that. I think having said that, um, I think it's also important that I think young people in general were quite prone to um, make decisions without being conscious of the impact that that has on of other course, people. Of yeah. course. And so I think if you go to a church where the culture is like as Richard described, I think a lot of sensitivity should be taken. So if if it means, for example, taking off your hat during a service for the sake and, of peace, yeah, do like, it. like take it off and like yeah. it's not an issue. If your hairline's bad. If Ooh. if your haircut's not on point, but cover, whatever, cover your cover your sin. You're, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah. But you're, you're among you're amongst people who love you, yeah, of course, and not love you for your own sake, as it were, but they love you for Christ's sake, and so yeah. it's a, there's a higher obligation to love you. So you yeah. should feel comfortable in that environment to to forsake such things as yeah. trivial as a hat um, on that basis, and at the same yeah, time, exactly. opposite end, I think. If at all possible, uh, to our to our to the saints who, who might have issues with these kinds of things, um, and, and as you always do, you know, show a little grace to the young ones. You know, you know um, I'm one of the young ones. I'm in it. You need a hat. No, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's just the, the, just to emphasize that's the Romans 14 principle yeah. right there. You know, you're, what you're going to do is going to cause somebody to stumble. 
you know, for the sake Avoid of it. peace. Avoid it. Paul can say, as far as I'm aware, I'm willing not to eat meat and for meat the sake of... That's the thing. Who doesn't eat meat? Do you know what I mean? Like, this is a big issue. A man's literally said no more. Do you think, do you My jollof will be by itself. Do you think, do you think Paul ever had barbecue? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but just, just exactly. aside, do you know what I mean? Like he's a, he's it's, literally it's said, a point, yeah. yeah, he's willing to go as far as to say, I won't even eat a particular type, mm. a, whole, a whole category of food anymore. Yeah. If that's what it takes for me just to, 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 to forsake, I'll forsake my liberty and I'll constrain my liberty mm. essentially in order that I might win all, you know? Preach, bro. Uh, so, <laughs> my man. So no, yeah. So I think, I think that's definitely uh, something that we must, we must keep in mind. And might not necessarily be that we agree with the idea of covering heads, but it doesn't necessarily mean we can't go along with it purely exactly. for the sake of peace. Exactly. Uh, so question number four, I feel like we're doing well, we're getting through the Yeah, we are, we actually are doing okay, well. Okay, so how important is outreach to the church? And let's start with Israel on this. Let's start, let's do this one quickly. <laughs> let's do this one quickly, because we've got a lot. Out- oh, okay, outreach is vital to the church. Um, and that's based on two two premises the first one is that it's a command so you have yes. in Matthew 28 the Great Commission mm. good. Um, where you know Jesus Christ tells his disciples to make disciples of nations good teaching them and that's good. the key part that we're talking about in terms of outreach teaching them um, all the things that he had command, commanded them and taught them himself and then in Acts 1 8 when Christ is about to ascend he says he says to the disciples that they're gonna be witnesses um, mm. from Jerusalem to Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth, which means that this is going to be an outreach that's not just local, yeah. starting in Jerusalem, but it's going to end with an outreach to the whole world. Yeah. So outreach is going to be a necessary feature of the Christian church and its work. And then you see that played out in the narrative of the book of Acts. So first of all, it's a command. But secondly, I think it's an impulse of the heart of a Christian. Mm. Um, C.S. Lewis um, speaking about praising God said, you know, Praising God is, is somewhat like reading a, a, a good book yeah. and all of a sudden you want to you tell someone else yeah, to exactly. read it or yeah, you know, you're walking down like, the seashore. I think so. I, 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 I remember <laughs> I, reading it, but I can't remember if it was mere Christianity or not. I don't remember. You don't remember? <laughs> it's either abolition of man. man. When you read too many books. <laughs> <When you read laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I, I, okay, I can't even explain this. I'm confused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but when you love stuff. Yeah, yeah, when you love stuff, you want people to. And, I, and for me, as someone who's a book lover, I understood that point so quickly. Yeah. It's like, oh my days, this book is excellent. Yeah, the whole world has to know about this now. Yeah. Um, and so he was saying, which is a truth, I think, for the Christian heart, when you fall in love with something, when you generally are captivated by a vision of beauty, the impulse yeah. is to have a join in in your experience of that beauty yeah and so the wonder is that if a christian you know says i'm going to be part of the church but i don't necessarily have a desire to share this beauty of christ that i've seen on the cross with other people then the question is have you really been captivated by that beauty yourself because it will be an impulse of the heart and not just a command to be sort of dryly um followed yeah yeah just to push that a tad bit further and and just really to make emphasis i guess on, on something in particular that you said at the start when you said you know it starts at the most local place, I think it says in Acts 1, it starts with Judea, Jerusalem, yeah, Jerusalem yeah. and then he expands further out, Judea, yeah, Samaria, yeah, etc. Yeah. It starts at home, you mm. see. It's not necessarily, outreach doesn't necessarily have to be you going out to the to the furthest lands, you know, start with your family, yeah. you know, work yourself out, start with your, going to your colleagues, start speaking to them, etc, etc. It doesn't necessarily have to be you, and by the way, this is, I think this is a misinterpretation, it doesn't necessarily have to be you standing in the middle of the street shouting, you know, 
Um, not that, not necessarily. I'm not. I'm not giving an opinion on that either way. Yeah. But I'm saying it doesn't necessarily have to be you doing street evangelism. It can simply be you being faithful in your local context. Um, so yeah, I think. I think. I feel like I wouldn't just jump on that. Um, so a number of us like go to the same local church, and what we've had in the ministry of the word on Sunday evenings has been an exposition of the book of Titus. Yeah. Um, and in wonderful Titus, exposition. Yeah. By the way. Recommend that. Um, and in Titus chapter two, uh, verse ten, I'm reading like the half of the half of the the verse. Mm. Um, it reads, "So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior." Preceding that particular um, part of the verse is Paul giving instructions for how people are to behave in various contexts. Yeah. 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 So bond servants, which we will apply to the employee today. Yeah. Um, Younger men, older men, older women, younger women. In your context. In your context, there's a way that a Christian ought to conduct themselves mm. that makes beautiful the gospel. Yeah. yeah. And I think we have to keep that in mind as well, that when we are thinking of evangelism, a person can't be saved apart from hearing the gospel, but yeah. opportunities to... Yeah. They haven't heard. But opportunities mm-hmm. to say that gospel, to speak that gospel, to gossip that gospel won't come unless you're living in such a way that someone looks at you and goes like rah mary like why are you like that the gospel and sometimes the lord just blesses you with those opportunities yeah. even irrespective of of your life True. you know yeah. and you still and there's still room for you to just preach it but uh no yeah that's good that's okay good. fifth question can we exclusively and intentionally date within our race for the purposes of creating a black family in attempt to be pro-black. Okay, that so we've moved. Very, so we so we tried yeah, to so we've the, moved. From, we tried to keep the, the questions quite thematic. Yeah. Um, so, and we've now moved from the church issues, the church issues to the dating issues. <laughs> we got a lot of questions on dating. Yeah, yeah. we, we need some, a, we need a range of questions. I need to have my dating. sisters and brothers to win. <laughs> so we only have, to win. But we're, all, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're only doing two of them though. Okay. Yeah, we're only doing three. three or three, I think. I can't remember. Can we exclusively and intentionally date within our race for the purpose of creating a black family in an attempt to be pro-black? There's so a lot to unpack in that question. Yeah, and I guess being pro-black in this context is furthering the black community, yeah. trying to improve its perception. And by the way, out of curiosity, do you guys think that an interracial family contributes towards the black community or the white community or their own interracial community or... There's so much beauty in being black. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're about to start rapping. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, um, into your I, feel, I feel like, I feel like answering Richard's question will take us on yeah, such a tangent yeah. that I feel like this is a good opportunity we to say now, nah, bro. We are I feel like <laughs> This, no, this question is. I mean, like we're pro-black. How do we yeah. define pro-black? Yeah, yeah. So I think pro-black here. I, I think I gave the definition earlier, but it's to encourage the perception and the image of the black community in particular. I think I know the person who asked this question. And I believe when they did explain it, they essentially said that um, constantly in the black community, we're constantly seeing images of 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 broken homes, mm. yeah. images of struggling low-income families. And and they're trying to see is there is there a sense in which we should strive or could strive um, in a godly manner to marry solely within our race 
um, and not marry interracially, but marry solely within our race in order to further and in further improve the image of the black community. Just jumping on the first part of what you said, it reminded me of the Obama family. And I think one of the reasons the African-American community in America loved the Obamas so much was not necessarily because of their policies or issues like that, but just because when you looked at the White House, you had a, a steady, constant picture of a healthy black family no scandal and from yeah for many for many people in the african-american community that was phenomenal um because yeah it was something they don't normally see so much of yeah i hear that i i hear that i can we just go around and say yes no yes no and then like flesh it out okay yeah ish so so mary (laughs) mary where you at can can we do it i think you can so yes Okay, Richard, can ish. I'm thinking, is it a secret? Yes or no? Why is ish? Let me flesh my ish, ish out. I have to flesh my ish out. Zero. Now there are nuances. Bro! Politician nuances. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. It, okay, Kofi? Mine started by saying there's beauty in black. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes, okay, Mommy. Okay, tease it out. Tease it out, Kofi. You guys can talk. I think I'll just be throwing in like caveats into Jets. You know, I think I think the first thing to say is when we're talking about pro-black, yeah. Um, so I, I like. Rich's, I, I I want to improve the black image. I like I like Rich's definition. I think what we've got to start off by saying is, with regards to pro movements, yeah. they often stem from um, situations where that particular demographic have been, in some sense, oppressed, suppressed, and so on. Yeah. So when we have um, pro women's rights, that stems from the oppression of, of women. women. Yeah. yeah. And the same with pro black movements. So that's why you don't have majority movements like pro men yeah. or pro pro white yeah. that's why people kind of like frown upon those movements when they come up because they have those particular groups have been in a position of strength historically yeah. so the, the the necessity is just not felt in the same way yeah yeah so when i'm saying pro black that's that's where it comes from yeah um and i think it also has to be said that when when we think of it as christians we're saying it in such a sense that we recognize that god has chosen to make us black people yeah and we're we, we recognize that's part of our fearfully and wonderfully yeah. made creation yeah and so we love that and that is not in any sense to say because we're pro-black we're anti any other race and I yes. think that, that needs to be said no, yeah. if someone, and that's one of the things that we've seen like the 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 hotep movements and so yeah, yeah, yeah. there yeah. seems to be an indication that pro-blackness equates to, to anti Caucasian exactly yeah. and a Christian can't have that word no no okay. so, so we haven't so, so, we, so we're agreeing that I think what 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 strikes me is man has fallen in every sphere right yeah that's, yeah, yeah. that's mentally that's physically that's spiritually that's emotionally the four we call we say that man is totally depraved in, in the sense that every single aspect of mankind has now fallen mm-hmm. yeah now having that in mind the gospel really seeks to is restorative it's, yeah. it's redemptive right so every single aspect of that is being renewed yeah. right and is being restored and i think particularly with the black community um how do i put it i think every community still has a tarnished image in some sense right whether it's the white supremacy or whether it's the um the black and broken home image i have a way like whatever race you look at there's fallenness to it and we should seek to redeem it all and and so so by the same time as black berea and like and as kofi's mentioned in one of the earlier bite-sized segments we can care specifically for our race whilst being within our biblical um our biblical remit right we're not necessarily 
um, it's not a bad thing to care for your race, yeah. right? Specifically, Paul can say, um, you know, I care for the Israelites. You know, yeah. I wish I care for my kinsmen according to the flesh, yeah. even though he's saved. You know, yeah. Um, so I recognize that. I just don't necessarily personally see yeah. what one can do for the black community in terms of marrying um, a specific race that you can't do marrying another race. I think that's where my, I'm, I, and I think that that specific issue is where I'm a bit more like ish. Okay, so I, I'm jumping on, and I would say one of the things that came to my mind when I heard the question first was um, what we see with Ruth. Yeah. Um, the Moabite. Yeah. Um, and I think this is why you got to read your Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> sure when 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 Ruth is like your God will be my God to Naomi, mm. I think there's that sense in which you learn at that moment that religion, so your your personal faith in God, creates a relationship dynamic that supersedes nationality. Yeah. Of course. So when we're coming now to discuss this issue of race and choosing our partners and so on, that dynamic should always be in the Christian's mind that. The gospel connects me to people in such a way that race can't even do. Because your yeah. citizenship is still in heaven. Exactly. Yeah. And so when Paul makes this like ma- massive point, which the original readers would have felt or hearers in Ephesians 2 about this breaking down the wall of partitioning that separates the Gentiles and the Jews, I think we've got to have that applied to our hearts yeah. now and say something to the effect of like, because I'm Christian now, I need to look at my white brother, my Chinese brother, and so on in a particular way. Yeah. Now, if you have that all working in your mind, such that if you see a black brother with a white woman or a white woman with a black brother, yeah. that there's no resentment building in your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you if you can if you can have that, and then also still feel as though like you know what, having said that, I recognise that I love that, but I also recognise that under God, provided that certain particular criteria is met in my partner, my spouse, yeah. I have liberty to pursue. I have liberty whatever. to choose, and so yeah. if you're ready to wait on like a black brother to come along. Um, and and yeah. you're you're willing to turn that, and you feel like you can actually turn them down and not be falling into any form of sin. Yeah. Then I, I yeah I think I think this is I, I don't know I don't I don't, I don't we'll agree on this in, in 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 quick time, but um I just don't I just I'm just not too sure that but, one can make that a prerequisite. Do you see what I'm saying? Not so, a preference, a prerequisite. Mm. I feel like someone can. Do you, can someone make height a prerequisite? Yeah. What do you mean sight? As in like no glasses. Yeah, yeah. People can make all these things prerequisite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're gonna finish. But you know, but, <laughs> 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 we're, we're not gonna finish. Let's just go for one. No, I'm, I'm not gonna but, go no, for one. But, no, but but just <laughs> on on that point, when I say a prerequisite, I I mean that person has to recognize that when they're making it a prerequisite for themselves, yeah. that's not a prerequisite for the Christian. No. Kofi, summarize your view for me. So the question says, can someone exclusively and intentionally date within the particular race or the black race for the purpose of creating a black family in an attempt to be pro-black? And I'm saying that I think a person can do that, provided that they have the right understanding of the things that supersede race, which is the relationship um, that believers have in the gospel. But I would question at times, not in all cases, the wisdom of making the race of your partner a prerequisite. Okay. And I would just, in my mind, I question the logical consistency of having a biblical prerequisite. For example, he needs to be a Christian or she needs to be a Christian. And then, and that being something where it can be uh, a clear cut yes or no. And then having something like, um, 
he needs to be black or he needs to be X, Y, and Z. And then raising that up to the point whereby when it comes to criteria, they are essentially on the same playing field to the extent whereby if he's not a Christian, instantly it can be a no. And if he's wearing glasses, instantly it can be a no. Again, without considering it. I don't think it can be a prerequisite. I think, I think it can be a strong preference. But in the end of the day, the Lord is sovereign. And your ways might not necessarily be his ways and your thoughts might not necessarily be his thoughts as far as I'm concerned. One of the questions that I think some of you may have had in your mind when the question was um, addressed to begin with is, are we trying to suggest that there's something inferior about interracial marriage? And we want to make it clear that there is nothing of course not. um, yeah. inferior about it. And in its own unique way, it's a testimony to the gospel itself. So although um, choosing to marry within your race for reasons like mentioned being pro-black and stuff has its benefits there are other benefits to marrying outside your race that are also good for society and for the Christian community that's a fantastic summary that okay. I'm happy to go with guys send us your thoughts okay next question <laughs> the funny thing that wasn't a summary let's, 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 let's go to, well, that was a good point that was, yeah, a, political, point. That was um, a political statement okay <laughs> vote Israel we need to keep our viewers general election <laughs> we need to keep our viewers okay question question six we might lose some views on this one <laughs> what's this one Isaiah Isaiah 4 <laughs> Mary let, yeah. me, let me read out Isaiah 4 and then you can read that question <laughs> okay Okay, so, gosh, Isaiah 4, Let's read the start. verse 1, And seven women shall take hold of one man in that day, saying, We will eat our own bread, and wear our own clothes, only let us be called by your name, take away our reproach. Mary, what's the question? Do you think um, this is a fair picture of the dating scene in today's church hashtag banter <laughs> oh. should i go first or that question is wild <laughs> should i go first or go for it richard well asterisk cackles <laughs> asterisk <laughs> that's me that's my answer seven to one i, I think that's it, true it, man i it, feel it, for my girls man my yeah. sisters i feel for you i think it points to when I, when, I, when I saw the question, it just showed me how humour can be a nice way of bringing about a, a subtly true point. Um, so it did make me laugh a lot, but I, I, I can see mm. the important point that's trying to be addressed underneath it. Okay. Where are the men? Yeah, where are the men? Basically. I, in the world. And I think most people across all denominations... In the church, Mary. Across, yeah, the church. across all denominations, <laughs> I think we find that the majority of members in almost every church it's not absolute rule it's generally women and you find a higher proportion of women to men in churches and therefore just you know statistically um, and likelihood probability all that stuff means that when it comes to singleness it's going to be an issue that women face more frequently than men do yeah um, which isn't you know it's, it is an unfortunate predicament um, but it's one I think in a sense that's sort of out of our hands. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it. Um, the Lord saves. Yeah. You're praying that the Lord saves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> saving men every day. Yeah, exactly. You literally are saving men every day. Um, and you just need to pray that those men are near you. <laughs> Coming to a church near you. Um, I don't know what more could be said. To my guy is recognizing my proximity I, point. Uh, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
let me jump on that and say the first thing is in the particular reference that the person has made i think one of the things that they're getting at with reference to applying it to the modern day scene is that women are in a position where they are coming to a place of pursuing men and pursuing men in, to such an extent that they are willing to forego some of the requirements that a man ought to display mm. to be an eligible candidate to be a husband yeah. simply that they might uh, simply 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 so that they don't have to go through the challenges that are present when one's in singleness mm. and i think on that perspective i would like to like ask mary because like mary mary's the only like woman on the podcast today anyway. today, today yeah shout out to on, yeah, the only woman on the podcast today, and I, I would just say, do you think like that reflects like your perception of what the church is like? And if so, if if, if it doesn't, what particular things have been helpful in your life to help you steer clear of this particular temptation to just say, "Bruh, marry me"? <laughs> um, I think from the sisters I know, of course, there's a lot of them that are mature, godly in the faith, and they look at the world around them, and every guy they meet, you know, a godly guy he's married or he's in a courtship and you're thinking wow like we're all the single brothers um but I, I think the struggle there is contentment so i think in our culture and, mm. and, and the world we live in there's almost a sense that if you're single it's a negative thing yeah so i, I and I, I even get the sense from some sisters it's like marry me or i die like if i don't get married my life is over and i think you have to be mindful of philippians 4 where you know paul talks about i've learned to be content mm. and the fact that you know singleness is a gift and in in singleness you can serve the lord mm-hmm. a greater use than those who are married possibly um so i think with me just trying to be you know as content as i can be you know growing in the lord growing in grace and also praying you know like all you need is one to win like literally all you need is one guy <laughs> you know, that guy wait that guy hashtag your, one to win <laughs> your husband may be in a relationship now that needs to end or you know your husband but let's be honest your husband may be in the world just be praying sisters like, i want you to win but like just be content you know keep praying keep seeking the lord in, in the scripture and if if you're not to be married you know the Lord will give you grace to be single and to be godly to His glory. Yeah, so don't you know don't compromise, don't go out with dangerous. I, I would say just on on the flip side, like I agree, like with yeah. what Mary said, I think it is a noble thing when a woman wants to get married. Yeah, no, of course, and we I shouldn't think, shy away from yeah, that. Yeah, and I think we shouldn't go too. So truth is like a tightrope. If you go too far to the left, you're falling off into error. Too far to the right, falling yeah. off into error. So the error. So if you're content in your singleness, if you go too far to the left. So you might fall into what Mary's talking about, where you have a lack of contentment and you're just upset and angry and, and bitter. And bitter. But yeah. if you go too far to the right, to you might be like, marriage. "Yeah, you like, I'm, I'm happy single." No, no, oh, I'm saying I'm happy talking single. about marriage. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. even forget about marriage. Yeah. And you, be, you, you begin to become bitter at the institution that God has made good. Yeah. So you need to walk that tightrope where you recognize the beauty of marriage and you recognize the beauty of singleness. Mm. And you I, mean, I, I can't remember. Is it one Corinthians six or seven where Paul starts dealing with the seven. idea? of seven where he starts dealing with the idea of uh, if you're if you're single you know yeah. you, you you set your mind on the things of oh, god, god but the person yeah. who's married has to divide it between pleasing their their spouse and also uh the things of the kingdom and i think one of the issues that um, we sometimes um we sometimes uh, create especially i guess in the church is we put we speak of marriage in a way whereby people almost can't be fulfilled without it yeah, it's um, like the apex yeah as life. though it's the apex of life yeah as though it's the end but marriage really isn't the end of the journey um there's so much more uh and and i think the key thing there is to see that paul is essentially saying singleness 
doesn't mean that you set your mind on married life per se but singleness gives you the opportunity to set your mind on the things of the Lord um, and I think that's what um, is is just not happening enough and probably because we're not dealing with the issue of what singleness should look like and what marriage should, should um, and how, how much marriage should be prized as a, as a goal in, in and of itself so so yeah yeah and if Bay's listening I'm, I'm praying for you <laughs> what's the next question Mary I don't I don't know that our listeners heard that do you want to repeat what you just said if Bay is if Bay's listening I'm praying for you innit what are you waiting for <laughs> okay next question question seven question left? seven supporting black owned businesses what does this look like from a Christian perspective it looks like seeing that your black friends family the black people that you know um or the black perception generally is low income yeah. Um, working very low paying jobs um, for someone who is not black um, that seems to be the, the common consensus uh, and at least just how it seems to have been for a very long time in the west yeah especially yeah. in the west um, freedom and all that so where that seems to be the case I guess seeing a black owned business i'm not trying to be funny i was thinking about it today i want to see more of my black brothers and sisters progress man i want to see more of them in the upper echelons of society you know i want to see i want to see my black brothers and sisters ascending and i think I it's just something that we don't see much of obviously shout out to the black young professionals group to all these groups that are really trying to see more black people ascending um i don't want to make it as though that's what i care for for black people yeah you know black yeah. excellence um you know that's that's that that would be erroneous so i thought that that's all that matters but definitely a good thing and it's definitely uh i guess balancing the society that little bit at the tails i think one of the virtues that come to my mind when i think about being a christian trying to support black owned businesses is patience yeah um and i think <laughs> like, like, like real patience like you, you need patience um and i think one of the reasons why you need patience is intergenerational knowledge and wealth has been invested into let's say in in the uk white businesses yeah such that when certain people bring up their business they have the benefit of that which has come before them yeah. and so that leads to maybe an efficiency of service an understanding of how things go not just that a, high, a better network a better for example, network you come to a workplace that i might work at for example and you know you see some young children young kids coming in for work experience in places that never would have been offered to someone like me do you know what i mean back where i'm from exactly so so that, so that leads to benefits that are not necessarily enjoyed by black people in the west seeking to start their own businesses and it even requires sacrifice as well you may see a, a black owned business that they may do a similar service to something you've seen out there but they're two three four pound more expensive you think oh i've seen it cheaper elsewhere but in supporting that you're willing to to, to, to pay more just to support their business because you see the, the benefits that it brings to the community you know and even keeping the wealth within and so forth but I think just don't kill yourself though yeah. <laughs> it's just too expensive like go for the other yeah. person's business but I think you should even even in that I think you should definitely be mindful that we, all, we also want to support and we also want to do good to those especially of the household of faith Mm. So, you know, if, if they're black and believers, yeah, perfect. Um, but that, that may mean that I may support uh, a business, a Persian business, because they're believers mm -hmm. over a black owned business, just because I'm mindful of, of, of those who are of the household of faith. Okay, so I feel like this is a question that <laughs> can be answered very quickly. Can women be pastors? 
Marion, Israel. Marion Israel can have this one. <laughs> can women be crosses? Israel. Well, the short answer is no. Um, just just around the so First Timothy chapter two, um, twelve to fourteen. Um, Paul says he doesn't permit a woman to speak or to have authority over men. And the context here, which we find in chapter three and chapter four, is to do with leadership in the church. So it's not generic all contexts um, applied so we're not saying Theresa May can't be Prime Minister um, just, some people just, say that, that, that I, so that's, I, it's a different discussion <laughs> but so my point different is that day. First Timothy is about church leadership and it's about free. the structure of the church and so the argument is that the, ch- the church is structured and modelled according to the structure of the family yep. mm-hmm. yeah. and in the family we have the father as the head with the um, mother and then the children under both um, and so the church works in a similar fashion with elders and then the deacons under and then the church under both. Um, and so in that, in that framework, what we're saying is that it's not that we believe women aren't capable of teaching or leading effectively. It is not a statement about ability, yeah. but it's a statement about what, where, God is, yeah, where God has placed um, certain people providentially in, well, providentially and um definitively through his word and his law um in the, their particular context by the way by the way just yeah. to take the analogy one step further you dealt with the the elders followed by the deacons and then the church you dealt yeah. with the father followed by the mother and then the children even the father the, uh, within the godhead the father who sends the son who who and the spirit who proceeds mm. from the um from the son you know like from the son and the father yeah like you you still see all these different um the, the similar structure, right. um, different roles, mm-hmm. yet still equality. Yeah. Um, there's still equality in the midst of the diversity, yeah. and the roles doesn't necessarily determine the value of the person or the persons. Yeah. I think before we just hand over to Mary to offer any other thoughts <laughs> that you want to add, I think it's important to say that fulfillment for the Christian doesn't come in leading, yes. it comes in serving. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at a pastor, you've got to understand that the pastor's function in terms of leading the church, shepherding the church, is a form of his service. So he he serves by leading. The deacon leads by serving. The congregants are called to serve just as Christ has served, uh, served us. Mm-hmm. So I think when we're looking at that, we shouldn't be seeing the apex of Christian opportunity as leading, but we should be seeing it. That's the fallacy that disciples embrace. Exactly. Christ had to shoot down. Exactly. Mm. We we ought always to see where is our next opportunity to serve. Yeah. And if the Lord gives us gifts and the Bible allows us to exercise those gifts in a particular way, then we go down that. I I think it's important to note that, um, unfortunately, and I think many people may react a tad negatively to what we said because of. Um, the way they feel that this has been used to sort of keep women from doing any sort of, of course, of actual sort of leading or or teaching in the church. And what we want to say is that this is a very precise, um, especially when we're thinking about First Timothy. It's a very precise statement being made. And in terms of finding opportunities to serve through um, forms of teaching, it shouldn't it shouldn't it shouldn't be received as though we're saying that women should not speak at all yeah. in any sense in the church. Um, we are saying that certain roles in the church have been designed by God for certain um, individuals. And that is seen in creation and then also seen in the Trinity itself. Yeah, and it's a beautiful design. I think when when women are faced with these, with these passages, we almost think, oh, Paul, 
and we actually realize this is what God is saying to us and we know that if God is being all wise and he, he's made these things to be then it's a beautiful thing and we should follow this and, and we should obey it. Mm-hmm. Um, something worth mentioning even just on that note because I know people say oh Paul but then again 1 Corinthians 11 a text that many would go to to try and say that Paul is a misogynist yeah it's the very same text where in dealing in the context of the church and dealing with um the head coverings and all those kind of things and dealing with authority he actually begins by saying do you know what men may prophesy and pray in the church x y and z but then women also when they prophesy and pray in the church so yeah. he, so he gives he, he he automatically acknowledges that there's a space for women to speak to yeah. pray to do to x y and z within the context of the church which was which is where all the head covering and the, sh- and, the, and the shaving care, etc., was, was, was occurring. So, so we definitely acknowledge that there's so much for women to strive towards outside of, going back to the previous question, marriage. Yeah. You know, there's so much for them to, there's so many ways in which they can thrive outside of being housewives. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that when they are, are housewives or, you know, or when they are married, that they're not necessarily still able to thrive mm-hmm. in those roles, you know? It makes me think of Romans 16 where... Paul spends a, a lengthy amount of time thanking women for what they've done to him. Phoebe. You know, and, and, and this this wasn't... They may not have all been teaching roles, they may not have all been significant things, but Paul notes that because that shows that women can have a, a impact in, in, in a local church and in ministry. Yeah, um, you read Romans 14 to 16, you start to see that there's various ways yeah. in which believers are called to serve. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to take up the role of elder mm-hmm. or deacon and yet they can still be of service in their yeah. generosity, in their exhortations, yeah. you know, in their encouragement. Paul even goes as far as calling some of these things gifts, mm-hmm. specific yeah. gifts yeah. to people. So. And you know what? Preachers need mothers. And that might mm. sound like a very trivial point, but when Paul writes the letter Second Timothy, mm. he starts by saying, um, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois yeah. and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Yeah. We don't have a Timothy unless we have a Eunice. We don't have a Eunice unless we have a Lois. And I think we've got to recognise God's providence in so doing. Yeah, there's a great um, article series on chalice.com. He basically speaks about um, preachers, men and their godly mothers. And it's beautiful, guys. It's actually beautiful. Chalice.com, men and their godly mothers. And it's so encouraging. So my sisters, read it. And men too. On to the next question. Uh, uh, stay at home mums what does this look like for the average African Caribbean person in the UK who grew up in a typically low income family you know what's mad about this question yeah is when I first saw this question I thought the question was just going to ask does the bible require a woman to stay at home if she's married now I'm reading the question I'm like right it's not saying that <laughs> so, no, no, no. I, I think, I think, I think, no let's keep it no, but I, think, I think the I question think it was essentially tough. asking how do what you have like? yeah. a stay at home mum funny enough I know a very fantastic couple um, and the wife is a stay-at-home, is a stay-at-home mother. She looks after four children. Um, what job is the man? The man, the man's job is is a is a is a is a is a is a, is a so standard is a standard job. Okay, it's a standard no, job. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know yeah, it's a standard yeah. job. It's a standard job. So what standard? I, I believe I, it pays a, average. About average. Okay. Yeah. And I asked him how are they doing financially, and he said, you know, we're well, not necessarily. It's it's tough, you know. But when I spoke to him about the benefit, for example, they homeschool their children. Mm. I asked him about the benefit of that, and that's something his wife can do because she stays at home. He was like, the change in the kids and the children's attitudes, behavior, and their confidence, 
in the way they can speak and the way they progress in terms of their studies, X, Y, and Z, uh, the, amount, the, the way that they care, the way they show respect, you know, all those kind of things, the way they submit to authority. Yeah. The whole sphere, everything has, has changed. And you kind of get that, that sense of, of, of that verse, um, teach them in their ways from young and in that path they should never depart from it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, 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 it's quite beautiful. And I guess he, he recognizes that, you know what, it's not easy. And because it's not easy, it's definitely not a requirement for every family. But where it is possible, it can definitely reap. They can definitely be great benefits, you know. Okay. Um, so what does this look like? What does it look like? I'm Difficult okay. for many. <laughs> I I think I think this might be. So I'm saying if if as Richard has articulated, a married couple come to the conclusion that the benefits of the wife being a stay-at-home mother and and wife yeah. are such that they want to pursue it, it can be. An opportunity for them to look at how they can take up their cross. Okay. So for so for a number of us, our standard of living in London means that we cannot you do certain things. <laughs> <laughs> cannot cannot do certain things. Um, so if we're willing to forego certain privileges that the Lord even allows us, I'm not saying the Lord says we can't have certain privileges that the Lord allows us to be able to replicate this model, then I think it's achievable for some. But what I would also add is that when we look at Titus um, and Paul is instructing women to be keepers of the home, I think Paul is referring to um, priority, such that a woman's priority in the context of being a a wife and a mother um, is to be a keeper of the home. So if, if if the choice is now, my husband's earning whatever, I'm and I'm earning whatever, and together we're like we have a lot of money, Bye. but she's not able to be a keeper of the home. She's got to be saying, actually, I'm not following the biblical standard here. Mm-hmm. And and just in dealing with this practically, saying how this practically works out, yes, the woman's role, like the woman's priority is going to be to look after the home, to keep the home. The man's priority is going to be to be the breadwinner because a yeah. man that doesn't work is worse off than an unbeliever. No. However, secondary. A man can a man can come home and cook. A yes, man can come yes, he home can. And clean. Yes. A man can come home and do many things in the home. That's he can right. Take the kids. He yes. Can do, do you know what I mean? A man can come home and do those things. Not just a woman can work, provided she doesn't forfeit completely. Do you know what I mean? She doesn't yes. completely forfeit her, mm-hmm. her priorities. But a man also can come home mm-hmm. and help, provided he too is not forfeiting his priorities. Do you see what I'm saying? My sister's needed to um, question. No, I think, I think, question. I think, I think there's, there's that twofold reality. Um, I recently had a conversation with someone about this sort of, and they were saying that we should start framing the question around asking. So they were, they were speaking this to give context specifically within sort of corporate London. Should we not? be asking companies to make it more feasible for women to do their work fully without having to compromise family life. So for example, where she works, um, the company allows women to bring their children into the office. And they provide a nursery, and they they provide all these facilities so that they can, you know, climb as high up as they want in the corporate ladder without compromising on, you know, sending their child to some other person. Would we, so would we want to say, let's promote Policies like that uh, alongside. So I have several things to say to that. I don't think we're going to have time. Um, but honestly, the headlines. But honestly, headlines. Um, if you're going to send your child to a nursery there, 
I don't see what the issue is of sending a child to a nursery anywhere. Proximity. Um, if they allow you to leave early, there's this the same thing as in that sense. There's no, there's no real. The child is on the same floor as you. That really helps. The, the child be on. Are you gonna leave your work? I'm, I want to jump right. on that. I think a lot of corporations oh, are taking, yeah, are taking yeah, yeah, seriously yeah. that you have flexible working. But the point I want to say on on this is, you said, and I'm I'm using your word. I'm not critiquing your you, but. The, you said so that the person can ascend to whatever position in the, the corporate career ladder right. they want to ascend to. I think men and women can't have that as their fundamental aim, such that when they're thinking about how to rear their children, they're thinking, "How can I do this while having prioritizing while yeah. having my passion to further my career?" So that means if okay, a, if, so, a, if a man, right. let's say an investment banker, yes. where your hours are very crazy. If to get to the top of the ladder as an investment banker and you have a family requires you to work 20 hours a day. That's too much. You've got to you've got to make some form of okay. decision that says actually oh, I'm not. But should that man I, have a family? Yeah, But let me just finish. You've yeah. got you've got to prioritize all yeah. <laughs> the institutions that God has given you responsibility over, and that's the same thing for him the woman too, in that sense. So when his, when, his, when, she, so when she's yeah, thinking about yeah. can a nursery come to work, she's got to be thinking at the very least in the same way that this guy does. Is my desire for this particular thing to happen to help me to work one that is me just being selfish with regards to wanting to further the own ambition of my heart to the point okay. that it imp- uh, impedes upon my ability let to me, be faithful let me to God in other areas. An, an assumption I made. The question originally stated that this is a person, we're talking in the context of an historic low-income community. And so the reason I phrased it in that way was to suggest that this person is, not, is doing it not necessarily because, you know, I'm looking only for myself, but they're saying, I need to actually ascend in the corporate ladder because I need to provide. And so climbing up will help me to be able to look after my family properly, especially like we just said, this is a London that's very expensive and has all these costs that make it hard to sort of have a comfortable life. And we're saying, is it, is it, should we have a place, not eradicated anything that you guys have said, but should we have a place in our discussion that says, okay, you know what, part of the answer actually is looking at these institutions like the corporate world and these workplaces saying that part of what can help the black community that has a low income um, name attached to it, what can help them to actually ascend while also allowing black Christians to, you know, strive for preserving and prioritizing the family. What can help is for companies and for us to actually talk to companies and say, you guys also, can you do a part to allow us to look after ourselves because we don't have that much money while not sacrificing our priorities? So I think that's the sort of background I was coming from. I wasn't coming from a selfish, I want a new Porsche. And, you know... I don't even think, I don't, I don't even think it's an issue of <laughs> I want a new Porsche. It can just be I want to... Right, I just want the name. I just yeah, want yeah. to be manager. So I'm not so, I'm not, I'm not so much thinking of a selfish motive that only cares for itself, but a real sort of like concern for my family and my community. Yeah, no, I agree. So wealth is not the priority. It's following God's commands. So number 10, how do we debunk the strong black woman stereotype? That's the man reading like this. So when I think of strong black woman, I think of a black woman who is deemed to be aggressive, intimidating, unsubmissive, nagger, dominant, hard to interact and deal with. And I think the strong black woman stereotype 
is all over media and and even I think has impacted how people view black women. Mm. And don't get me wrong, enough. there may be a few of those women lurking around. Just like there's a few of But black obviously women obviously just like there's a few hitlers. But do you know what I mean? Like there, there might be a few of those women lurking around. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily but then what ends up happening is we see for example, women who are able to stand firm and, dest- and defend their views, women who actually understand the the reason behind what they believe and they're able to give a reason for the hope that's within them, for example. Mm. And all of a sudden it's, oh, you're too rowdy to be, you know, you, you, you know you're, too, you're, too, you're too loud. You're too loud. You're too, you're too, you're too, you're too, you're too yeah, And it's not necessarily the case. Mind you, um, as I said to some sisters, um, there's going to be times where, and this is for men and women, but but just in particularly just in helping them think this through, there's going to be times where women who are louder are going to need to tone it down Why? for the sake of the gospel. Okay. So, for example, in the, in the context that. of the church, to be sober-minded, X, Y, and Z, what, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But there will also be times for women who are quiet to speak up. Yeah. So times like, for example, evangelism and whatnot. So there's going to be times where both need to, for the sake of Christ not go in line with their characteristics the way that they're um, not going in line with their general personality yeah and, and and even just suppress their general personality and recognize that the gospel calls them to do something that they might not necessarily be um how can i say it? that might not necessarily come normal or natural to them okay. just like and the same thing for guys anyway so when i think about strength um i think strength in this particular scenario ought to be defined by one's convictions so a strong woman a strong man that's it it's just a, a strong woman, woman is, is someone man. who has strong well thought out well understood convictions well convictions yeah. conviction and now if that person is standing up for those said convictions there's a way in which that they obviously need to do that but, but, I think, but i think that's true strength when it's based on a conviction that you have a biblical conviction that you have mm. to believe a certain thing or to act a certain right. way where it's simply a matter of you just as richard articulated being loud boisterous or so on then i think at, at times you've got to recognize that not every part of our constitution is perfect mm. and so there are times when we need to realize that you know what we need to tone it down so richard's point is perfect on that on that note sometimes a woman who is very loud may need to tone it down sometimes a guy who is very you know just naturally quite quiet needs to speak up in whatever context you just need to recognize how do I be faithful in this context? Mm-hmm. What part of my persona do I need to accentuate? And I think that's that's what needs to, to come across. Coming but yeah, off, strength, strength, I think, is about conviction. I think that's the more. Coming off that point as well, I think in society, the whole strong black woman in society at large um, comes off that point that Kofi made in that I think a lot of, or good number of black women are tired of trying to please larger society. And so now they've come to a conviction um, that, you know what, I don't have to meet your standards so we have people you know in recent dialogue there's been conversations about you know hair um and dressing and it's the side is i feel like a lot of black women come to the conviction that you know what i don't have to dress according to these eurocentric models mm-hmm. and so i'm going to stay in this conviction whether you are pleased with it or not and so for those who are people pleasers who want to sort of stay with what the majority trend is it appears as oh you're being boisterous you're being loud you're trying to be um, rebellious but really it's that you know what no I'm going to stick with my convictions and I'm not going to budge and um, those convictions aren't anti-biblical which yeah. is very key yeah. yeah so if someone can stand if that someone has a particular conviction in that direction then more power to them mm. and mm. I think in relationships you get along and this is I think this is what some people talk about when it comes to the whole <laughs> dynamic between black guys and black girls um, 
if your guy doesn't have a if a guy doesn't have a backbone doesn't have principles that he really lives up to he's going to feel quote intimidated by the strong black woman because the black woman will sniff it out and be like look you don't have conviction can you repeat that again please <laughs> and, and she, she honestly like you don't you don't you don't have, you don't have principles that you live by and that's why when I sort of confront you with certain issues. You 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 flip flop around. You're like, oh, but why? Are you, yeah, why are you yeah because no your priority is to Tell be him. a people pleaser and to sort of be a chameleon and change as necessary. And I think a lot of black women want to see more in black guys is that they want to see men who have principles and won't budge even for those women. Mm. It's like we don't. We just want to mm. see you stay by your convictions and hold on to it, no matter the cost, basically. Mm. Thank you, as well. Thank you. Thank you. I think that was a good point. And that strength doesn't necessarily have to look like being loud or quiet. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. A black, yeah. A black woman can be strong and be a quiet woman. A black woman can be strong and be allowed by nature. A loud yeah, woman. Yeah. And they can still be within the confines of what the Bible requires a woman to be. Amen. Yeah, yeah, they can still be godly. Because sometimes I feel like we've made a godly woman to be... The quiet. Docile. She's not taught. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to God has made us... Who we are conforming I'm spending more time with my barbie you know? <laughs> I'm going to say I'm not going to lie You guys can't home. see it But I'm looking at Kofi <laughs> Like <laughs> Bro <laughs> Too much time with my barber But yeah We're finished Thank um, We've spoken about so much So guys we really want to know your thoughts um, We'll probably put this in Facebook group And see yeah, how many comments I, there I, are I think, I think we're quite taken aback With how many questions we actually yeah. got in the end And we couldn't even get through everything But yeah. honestly Like we'll probably have to do this Maybe every five Yeah we'll do episodes this episodes but um but yeah definitely let's not commit to anything quickly but um but yeah please keep sending us questions and obviously when we do have these episodes we'll try our best to address them or even we'll make them topics for some of our later episodes yeah on all of our platforms like share subscribe that'd be like facebook twitter instagram you name it soundcloud itunes iTunes, big things (laughs) i'm kofi i'm mary i'm richard and i'm israel and this has been black (laughs) bria Where's Danny? Take care. <laughs> <laughs>